hospitality, and he loved books. If he did not seem particularly ambitious or driven, I reckoned that an appealing quality. I had dated many men who were, and would not have been sorry never again to feign interest in my date's aggressive business plan for the penetration of the competitive Finnish telecom sector. It was fine with me if Jimmy taught English lessons and did odd jobs for a living. I figured there was only room for one big ego in a couple. I was right about that, I think. I just didn't realize that there were, in fact, two in ours. I would have been well advised to pay more attention to Angela's ashes. A few weeks after we broke up, I ran into him by accident up by Montmartre. I was satisfied by the way he looked at me. He had just purchased a motorcycle from a bass player who was going back to Manchester. The attraction was still there, unfortunately, and when he offered to give me a lift back to my apartment, judgment failed me once again, and I accepted, even though generally I never ride motorcycles for all the obvious reasons. Before he even pulled out into the street, he miscalculated the distance between my hip and the car parked beside us. It made an awful sound like tongs being fed into a Cuisinart. When I returned from the emergency room to my empty apartment, on crutches, even the narcotics I'd been prescribed for the pain did nothing to relieve my sense of desolation. That was the way I was living when the first letter from the lion arrived, and that, I think, explains a lot. I wrote Loose Lips in Paris, where I live now. My apartment is on the top floor of a brick building overlooking the Place Dauphine. It is physically impossible to live closer to the heart of Paris. I can't say that I'm close to my neighbors, however. The elderly Hungarian woman who lives below me once sent an official registered letter to my landlord informing him that I had placed my garbage bags on the landing instead of taking them down to the basement dumpster. She is sensitive to noise. She has complained that I run my bathtub too loudly. Below her lives the man with an incontinent Irish setter. No amount of lavender air freshener will ever make the elevator right again. The concierge and his wife live on the ground floor. Monsieur Toubert has an incomprehensible Provençal accent and the sly face of a village grocer who puts his finger on the scale. I speak to him only when my hot water stops working. Whenever I ring his bell to tell him this, Madame Toubert, wearing a stained housecoat, opens the door just a crack. A cloud of ancient dust billows from the apartment. After appraising me suspiciously for a good long time, she relays the bad news to her husband, who slowly levers himself erect and wheezes upstairs with his tool belt. He inevitably spends four hours in my apartment, taking apart the plumbing, leaving parts all over the floor, sighing, and muttering incomprehensibly to himself before declaring that it's bien foutu and calling the plumber. The linden trees on the Place Dauphine are elegant in the winter. In the spring, they explode into exuberant buds. This summons the local workmen in their blue coveralls, who come to the plaza to shake each other's hands for a good half hour and play pétanque all afternoon. Young lovers sit on the benches, kissing each other on the eyelids and earlobes and cooing tenderly. The restaurants on the Place Dauphine look so inviting, with their belle époque, painted storefronts and their outdoor tables. 
The waiters write the day's menus on chalkboard easels in that careful round cursive they teach in French schools. And at lunchtime, the tables fill up with plump, well-appointed attorneys and their mistresses. The women wear leather pants and carry unhappy small dogs. Everyone smokes furiously. The food comes stacked in artful little pyramids, galettes of this and confit of that, all dressed with a coolie of something or other and served in the summer with a cold sancerre. My L-shaped studio is not spacious. The stumpy little half-bathtub has a hose in place of a shower, and the alley to the mini-fridge between the cupboard and the sink is almost impassable. But from my windows, I see all of Paris, from the Eiffel Tower to the Pantheon. I see the Palais de Justice, the spires of Saint-Chapelle, and the banks of the Seine. The cobblestones on the plaza glow when it rains, reflecting honey-colored...